What is this? We're talking about this less is more stuff. This is the upside down kingdom. And you will not get this from the world. This is the less is more kingdom. In other words, we, we got to remember again, now and throughout our lives, I pray, right? God's math is not the math of the earth. God's math doesn't make sense to the foolishness of man. God's math is what he blesses. And in this case, it is absolutely without a doubt, less is more. Don't we all, one way or another, we're all going to be tempted with doubt, frustrated, just in circumstances that we didn't see coming. And then at that moment, you start to say, is God really who God says he is? And do I believe he is where he says he is? So John the Baptist, this is what I love about God's word, is you could see John the Baptist say, man, this guy's on fire. He just does everything and seemingly right. And he's got an incredible attitude of righteousness. And it's all we had of John the Baptist. She'd be like, man, I'm really impressed, but I'm so not like him. But here we see even Jay the Bee had bad days and even John the Baptist struggled. And so that, that encourages us, doesn't it? We like to say around here, and I think it's within this message too, that we like to be encouraged by other people's discouragement, right? So that's what's happening here right now too. And, and so in a strange way, we pray you will be encouraged by the discouragement of John the Baptist. But in the end, again, in the end, looking to the one who's the answer to all of our doubts, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to be a good day today, today here on Live in the Light. open your Bibles to, to Matthew chapter 11. I strongly encourage you to have a Bible and to open that to Matthew chapter 11. So less is more, the life and message of John the Baptist. We're going to officially end our series today on John the Baptist. And as we approach the end of this series, um, I just want us to renew our minds one more time for now, just to understand how biblical less is more is. Let me just do that from some verses we've heard throughout this series, but I want to see it again. Matthew 10, okay, Jesus says, whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake, Jesus says, will find it, okay? So this, this is less is more. This is the theological math 
of God. You don't get this in the world, man. The world's going in the opposite direction. Find your life. Make it about you. Don't lose it. Are you kidding me? Jesus says you lose your life, you actually find it. Less is more. Next slide. John 12, love this. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, if it dies, it bears much fruit. Ultimately, through the life of Jesus Christ, he died to bear the fruit of salvation for all those who put their trust in him, but for as his disciples as well. Less is more. We die to bear fruit for Jesus Christ. Next verse, Mark 8. If anyone would come after me, Jesus says, if anyone wants to find life, if anyone believes in the reality of glory in heaven, if anyone wants true purpose and meaning and joy, if anyone would come after me, notice, let him deny himself, become less, take up his cross and follow me. Less is more. Next slide. Matthew 19. And everyone who has left houses, Brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, lands, for my name's sake, Jesus says, will receive a hundredfold. Oh, yeah, and this, and will inherit inheriting eternal life. Less is more. Less is more. I think last verse here. Matthew 23. Just look, look at the inherent principle of God's truth right now. This is said so many times throughout Scripture. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. But whoever humbles himself before the Lord Almighty, they will be exalted. What is this? We're talking about this less is more stuff. This is the upside down kingdom. And you will not get this from the world. This is the less is more kingdom. In other words, we, we got to remember again, now and throughout our lives, I pray, right? God's math is not the math of the earth. God's math doesn't make sense to the foolishness of man. God's math is what he blesses. And in this case, it is absolutely without a doubt, less is more. I mean, just consider this principle through nature itself, how God gives us illustrations that to become less is actually to increase and bear more fruit. It's winter season right now. Think of the trees before us. Just a few months ago, the trees in full bloom and glory. The display of color. And then the fall comes and they start to change colors. And it's beautiful, but they're changing colors because they're about, the trees are about to be found without leaves and become naked in nature. They are stripped of their glory. The leaves start to become brown and decay and they start to fall to the ground. The seeds descend from their lofty position. And even worse, they find themselves buried in the miserable mud. But it's from that place that the seeds of these leaves and trees will then rise and burst forth into new life. To die is to see life truly begin. Oh, how the ways of God are not the ways of man. And loved ones, we must tuck away this principle for us the rest of our lives. We're leaving this series today. We will never, I pray, leave this truth. You, you know how many times I think, I think about these things so far, what I've said already? You know how many times I think about this a day? I don't know, dozens, dozens and dozens and dozens. Whatever you want to say, however you want to define, less is more, less is more. The understanding, God blesses the humble, he opposes the proud. Just dozens of times every day I think about this stuff because it never gets old, it's always true. And it's one of the secrets to seeing God work in your life. 
He is so clear about who he works within. And the more we make it about ourselves, the more we, we, we silence and limit his spirit working within our lives. So let's never forget the secret of the life of John the Baptist. Now, this was the theme of John the Baptist's life. And today we continue to learn lessons from his life. You know, John's character, John's humility, John's ministry, powerful. But today what we also learn is John too struggled with frailty and fragility. Today specifically we see that the prophet is dealing with his own doubt. Now think about that. John is powering along. He's declaring Christ, humbling himself. And then finally or suddenly... We see today he finds himself in prison. In prison. It's here that John begins to struggle. It's here that John begins to have doubt. It's here that John becomes discouraged. And before I go any further, I want to let the text speak for itself. So look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ... He sent word by his disciples and said to him, notice this, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Whoa. John said that? The prophet, the forerunner, the one who said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? Verse four, and Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. And then notice verse 6. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Here's our first observation from this narrative. It's this. It's number one is this. Even the best of us have days of doubt and discouragement encouraging. Even the best of us have days of doubt and discouragement encouraging. Look at verse 2. Now, when John heard in prison, let's just stop right there. When John heard in prison, now wait a minute, John's in prison. How how does John the Baptist get in prison? I mean, how did that happen? He's he's proclaiming, he's baptizing, he's the forerunner, clouds are crowds are flocking to him. We're seeing massive conviction of God's spirit in the Jewish people through the ministry of John the Baptist. Luke chapter 3 tells us that. John the Baptist, in his boldness, in his lack of fear of man and filled with the fear of God, he confronts Herod the Tetrarch. He confronts Herod specifically about Herod taking his brother's wife to be his own. John confronts this. Herod's not happy about this. And so Herod locks up John the Baptist in prison. So here you have John the Baptist in prison, ministering in the will of God as the messenger of God, but now he's in prison prison. So this is fascinating, loved ones. Notice, the voice crying in the wilderness is now the voice that's silenced in prison. So right here, right here for John the Baptist, we have a massive test of his heart. The Lord is leading him to a place that he would not choose. God has presented to John a path that is no longer straight, but now it is crooked. Reminds me of Ecclesiastes 7.13, a verse that has meant so much to me over many years. And I pray it can mean much to you today as well. Consider the work of God. Here's wisdom right here, okay? Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what God has made crooked? 
the work of God. Times the will of God, the path of God. Now, now just think about that. Here's what we do often. We see God's will as straight in our lives. We believe God's will should be perfectly straight, listen, as we define straight. So God, your will must be this way for me because in my estimation and my wisdom, this is what straight looks like. And God's like, well, time out. Since when do I have to operate on your definition of straight, Robbie? Since when am I bound to your lack of wisdom, Robbie? Since when is my will according to your will, Robbie? See what happens there? But God, this is surely what straight looks like. And then what God does in his perfect wisdom and his love for us, he presents crooked paths. And in God's mind, the crooked path is perfectly right. But in our minds, it's totally messed up. But God's like, who's smarter, me or you? Consider the work of God. Who can make straight? I mean, just apply this to your life right now. You find yourself in a crooked place. Could it be that's precisely where God has you? But we're like, no, man, it's messed up. God's like, not to me, not to me. It's exactly as I have ordained. You'll find out. You'll see, just not yet. I think um, landing in prison would be an example of crooked. And here's John the Baptist in a crooked place, the forerunner, the foretold forerunner in prison. Now, let's give some sympathy to John, okay? Let's put ourselves in his shoes for a second. Warren Wiersbe is very helpful with this. John was a man of the wilderness. Now he was locked up in indoors in prison. His whole purpose was to proclaim Christ. Now he was silenced. He announced judgment. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But judgment was slow in coming. He had a partial uh, report of Jesus. He could not see the whole ministry clearly. He didn't see the whole picture. So notice what's happening here, okay? Uh, John the Baptist, partially seeing what's happening. He expected something to occur that wasn't happening at the pace that he would like. He finds himself in a situation he did not expect to be. It's not comfortable for him. He didn't want to be there. At this moment, loved ones, discouragement and doubt start to set in. Can you relate? Maybe we find ourselves right now in places we did not anticipate. Maybe we find ourselves in purpose we did not necessarily think we would feel. Maybe we find ourselves in situations that are not comfortable and difficult. And at this moment, we are tempted to be discouraged in the things of the Lord, to doubt the ways of God, and even come up against the wall of despair. Why? Because Satan will jump on the horse of discouragement, and if he can, he will ride it right off the cliff with you on it. And here is mighty John the Baptist. He also is in a place of unmet expectations and he's feeling discouragement and doubt and fighting against despair. The questions start filling his mind. Uncertainty starts to poke at his heart. And so he sends some of his disciples to ask Jesus. I mean, just think about this. He says, are you the one to come or shall we look for another? Whoa. Whoa, I mean, think about what that's saying. Are you the one? I mean, this is John the Baptist saying this. Amazing to me. So I've been in ministry all these years now, and I've been in ministry long enough to know this, that at times 
I'm very willing to encourage other people with my discouragement. Say, what do you mean by that? Well, I like to provide encouragement to people as I let them know that I'm discouraged. I'm not saying that there are people who are like wishing for my demise so that they rejoice as I fail, although ministry does bring some opposition, that's for sure, right? But it's more so like this. It's like you're going through life and I just love to reveal and convey that I got tons of struggles. I find this life very difficult at times and there's many times where I don't think I'm necessarily gonna make it and you're open with this and people are just so, oh good, it's not just me. Well, you struggle too. Well, we all struggle together. And I get that because I know I'm listening to other people and, and they reveal how they're struggling and inside I'm like, yes, all right, good. Someone else is also struggling through this life and ministry as well. And just, it really encourages me. I'm not trying to get offensive to the people, but again, and I know how that kind of relates too. So here we are, and just like, I wanted to encourage you again with, with, with my discouragement. I just, you know, you know, legitimately, legitimately, in my tenure of ministry, I wanted to quit sincerely a hundred plus times. Like, like legit wanting to give up. You're looking across the street, and you see someone else doing another job, and you're like, man, that looks so good, you know? Man, that looks, that just looks right, you know? And you're just contemplating, you're sitting there, and you find yourself in such places of darkness and discouragement, and it's so tough when you're there. And so hopefully I've just encouraged many of you in my discouragement, praise the Lord, right? I get it, I totally get it, I do, I do. And so I look at John the Baptist here, and here he is, John the Baptist, J the B, forerunner, messenger, prophet, discouraged and doubting. Events have unfolded not as he anticipated. His current experience is not matching his preaching. He's discouraged and I'm encouraged by the discouragement of John the Baptist. No offense, John, no offense. I'm just so glad you're human too. So glad that God's word provides us examples of people struggling just like so we're encouraged. Why? Life doesn't always go as planned, does it? God's ways are not our own. Loved ones, there's so much we don't understand. We gotta remember that our fulfillment in life is in the life yet to come. So the key here, and this is so important, please listen, please listen. What's so important here, John the Baptist, like you and I, are called to walk by faith, not by sight. Notice what was taking place here with John the Baptist, okay? He was growing impatient. See, he was announcing the arrival of a kingdom, and in his mind, it looked like one, two, three, four. But in the will of God, this wasn't happening according to John's way. So in this moment, he's in prison, and he grows impatient, and he starts to doubt and ask questions of God. How come this isn't happening the way I think it should? Enter discouragement. Enter doubt, enter temptation of despair. Again, can you relate? Of course we can. Isn't it amazing? So much in the Christian life. God, your will surely is like this. So let's get this done on my timing. Okay, God, I want this to happen in this way and at this time. Ready? Go, God. Tap foot. Wait. Time's up. Where is it, God? And he's like, uh, not really again operating on your schedule. And it doesn't happen. And all of a sudden we're like, where are you, God? 
Are you there, God? Have you let me down again, God? You're not according to me, God? You're not as smart as me, all this stuff. And all of a sudden, we get discouraged because God is not on our timing and schedule and our impatience leads to frustration, leads to questioning, leads to doubt, leads to discouragement, and many times leads to despair. Why? Because we're ultimately trying to be God, play God, and tell God how to be God. It's not gonna work, man. That's not faith. And we're so encouraged with the fact that John the Baptist was struggling with this as well. The impatience. You know, I was also encouraged, I was reading in Revelation in my personal time this week, and even in, in, in heaven, the martyrs who have been killed for their faith in heaven, they speak out loud and they say this, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge and avenge our blood on earth? How long, God? When's justice gonna be seen? When's vengeance on our blood gonna be taken? I mean, even the martyrs for Christ in heaven are also impatient. Incredible. In one way or another, we're all longing for the justice of the Lord. And yet it will be, loved ones, it will be in God's time and in God's way. So this is this question that's asked of Jesus. Are you the one or should we look for another? It's a zinger. Look at how Jesus responds, verse four. And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Notice what Jesus says here in response to John's question. You go tell John, the plan is going precisely according to what we determined. The plan is exactly going according to plan by the wisdom and infinite, again, wisdom of the Lord. You go tell John that it's happening precisely as the Trinity has determined. There's nothing occurring right now that is outside of our control, plan, wisdom, guidance, ordination. It's the wisdom of God. Notice, notice what Jesus does specifically here. I want you to look at the screen here because Jesus says, you go tell John, and many, many phrases he uses here in verses four and five, okay? I want you to see just how much this is going according to the plan of God as foretold hundreds of years before. You go tell John the blind receive sight. Isaiah 29, in that day the eyes of the blind shall see. Next slide. You go tell John the lame walk. Isaiah 35, 700 years before this took place. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer. Next slide. You go tell John that lepers are cleansed. Just a few chapters before our chapter today, and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. You go tell John lepers are being cleansed. Next slide. You go tell John the deaf hear. Isaiah 35, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Next one. You go tell John the dead are raised. You're dead. Isaiah 26, your dead shall live. Their bodies shall rise. You go tell John all these things are happening. Last one, 
You go tell John the poor have good news preached to them just as it was predicted again 700 years before Jesus was on earth. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me to bring good news to the poor. You go tell John that this is all taking place exactly, exactly according to plan. Because God is sovereign. Let's apply this to our lives right now. Is it possible that in our lives, in the way that we often question the Lord, that his plan is exactly and precisely taking place as he would want amidst all the confusion and all the things we don't understand? Is it possible for faith to rise to the surface in this moment? You see what Jesus is doing? You tell John, look to the truth. Look to the evidence. Look to Jesus. Look what's happening. Look what's happening. God's plan is unfolding. And you see verse six. Verse six is quite amazing. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Ha- blessed, happy, fulfilled is the one who does not fall away on account of me, who does not trip over me. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. There's a warning here in verse six. There's a challenge in verse six. Here's the warning. Jesus says this, essentially. The warning is, those who fail to understand the identity and ministry of Jesus, they're in huge trouble. The warning is, if you reject Jesus Christ, you are rejecting the Lord and Savior of the universe. So that's why blessed is the one who does not reject me. Blessed and happy and fulfilled is the one who finds eternal life in me. Blessed is the one who does not fall away on account. Think of our world. Our world is so anti-Christ. Never more so right now in this land. Like literally, since this nation began, never more so right now, more anti-Christ. The, the complete rejection of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, blessed is the one who does not do that. Those who reject Christ are rejecting the cornerstone, life itself. That's the warning. And a warning here today, for those who are here today. Who's here right now? I don't know, God does. But I know there's some people here right now, you've never, you, you've never been truly saved in Jesus Christ. You are not currently in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You are not alive. There's maybe a form of religion. Maybe there's none of that. But you're not alive. The the warning is, if you reject Jesus Christ, you you are rejecting your only chance to go to heaven and escape eternal judgment, not in heaven, which is called hell in Scripture. I just speak the truth of what the Bible says. But that's the warning. that's, That's the love of God giving a warning. You would never watch someone floating down a river, plunging to their death and say nothing. You would give every opportunity to save them, to warn them of what's happening. There's a challenge also here in verse six, and the challenge is this. For those with faith, keep following Christ and don't give up. In your discouragement, hey, John the Baptist, in your discouragement, and you ask the question, are you the one looking for or someone else to come? You're, you're kind of teetering there on abandonment of Christ. Like, are you, are, you, are, you, are you suggesting, John the Baptist, that you're gonna find someone else other than, see what Jesus says? Blessed is the one who's not offended on account of me. Blessed is the one in their discouragement. The discouragement doesn't lead to abandonment. Think of how we go through life. Often we're in these places and we're, here's the problem. We often look what's right in front of us. 
obviously it wasn't in front. Our head is often so down too. We I mean, look up a little bit. Our head's so down and we just see our circumstances and we're like, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. There's no point. I don't want to go on. This isn't working. I'm so miserable. If this is life in Christ, well, this doesn't make any sense. And just like, forget this, I'm done. And you start tempted to walk the other way and start to leave the, the ways and will of Christ behind. That's never, ever going to be good. I understand the temptation towards that. We start to rely on wisdom. But here's the thing. When we're so focused on our own situation and all that's in front of us, if we just continue to walk by faith as opposed to sight, if we just let one foot go in front of the other by the will of God and the grace of God as he leads us on, what we fail to see so often is we just keep walking. At some point, God's going to go, turn. And if this represents a wall, when you're standing on this side of the corner of the wall, you can't see what's coming. You have no idea. When you're walking down a street or a path, you don't know what's around the corner until you turn the corner. And once you turn the corner, you're like, whoa, look at this. It's a whole new world. There's a whole new path. But as long as we're standing here and only focusing on what's in front of us and our situations and misery, well, of course, discouragement sets in. And if we give up, we'll never turn the corner. Live in the Light exists to see radical transformation in God's people through the revelation of God's truth. We believe that through the faithful and passionate preaching of God's word, disciples will be made and the church will be strengthened. Our prayer is as people are impacted by Live in the Light, they will be renewed in mind, reinforced in faith, and resolved in will to live in Jesus Christ. If you'd like to hear this message again or any messages in this series, visit us online at liveinthelight.ca.